culture lovers. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Before jumping into talking about the COD Wars, I have a quick announcement. It has been such a blast doing this podcast every week for the past seven months. And in an effort to bring you even more relevant content, I'm conducting a short survey. It will literally take you five to six minutes to complete. All the listeners that fill in the survey will be entered to win an awesome giveaway. So I'm giving away some amazing prizes. And those prizes include a copy of Independent People, the book by the Nobel laureate Haltor Laxness, a book about the Icelandic sagas, a box of Icelandic candies, Icelandic wool mittens, and Icelandic herbal sea salt. In total, there will be seven winners. So one person will win a book each. Two people will each win a box of Icelandic candies. One person will win Icelandic wool mittens. And two people will win Icelandic herbal sea salt. All of the survey responses will be kept confidential and will not be shared with a third party. It's basically an opportunity for me to learn a little bit about who you are and what you're interested in hearing about on this show. There have been listeners that have reached out to me via social media to tell me how much they enjoy the show or what they want to hear about. And that kind of just sparked my interest in getting a much larger audience view about what people are enjoying and what they want to hear more about. Also, none of the prizes are sponsored. I'm buying everything with my own money and will ship the prizes to anyone in the world that enters. So to enter to win, go to my website at from foreign to familiar.com and there will be a link to the survey in the show notes of this episode. After completing the survey, make sure you enter your email address. I'm only running this giveaway for a month, so don't miss your opportunity to win some awesome Icelandic prizes. Thanks for listening to that announcement, and now I will jump into this week's episode. While Iceland is not known for getting involved in wars, the country found itself in a territorial battle with Britain called the Cod Wars, which lasted for almost 20 years. The seas surrounding Iceland are rich with marine life, especially fish. British fishermen had been capturing a variety of fish, including a lot of cod, in Icelandic waters since the 15th century. In the early 16th century, it became common to see many British boats off the coast of the island. While Icelandic people did capture fish back then, Fishing was not a major industry in the country until the 20th century. Before there was a dispute between Iceland and Britain, there was a conflict between Denmark and the British about how close British boats could fish near Icelandic and Faroese shores in the late 1800s. As I mentioned in previous episodes, Iceland was ruled by Denmark until 1945. Denmark also governs the Faroe Islands. The invention of steam-powered boats allowed for fishermen to travel to much farther distances, and the amount of British vessels around the Icelandic shore started to rapidly increase. As a response, the Danish government claimed a fishing limit of 50 nautical miles, or 93 kilometers, around the Icelandic shore in 1893. The British government did not recognize the claim set by the Danish government because they felt it would damage the British fishing industry. British fishing boats continued to violate the claim by the Danish government. In retaliation, Danish gunboats would fine British trawlers that they found fishing illegally within the area that was claimed to be off-limits. The Royal Navy was deployed in 1896 
1897 to make a show of naval force by the British. That only increased the tension between the nations. One major incident sparked the countries finally to come to an agreement. Caspian, a British steam trawler, was fishing off the coast of the Faroe Islands in April 1899. A Danish gunboat attempted to arrest the boat for fishing within the off-limits area. When the gunboat saw that the trawler refused to stop, they first fired blank shells at the boat, but later used live ammunition. The Danish did eventually capture the Caspian, but there was a bit more drama to the whole incident. Charles Henry Johnson, the captain of the Caspian, had a little trick up his sleeve. Before he left to board the Danish gunboat, he ordered his mate to make a dash for it after he had safely made it to the other boat. Once Johnson was aboard the Danish gunboat, the Caspian took off at full speed. The Danish fired at the boat, but it was not able to stop it from getting away. When the Caspian arrived in Grimsby, England, it was heavily damaged. Johnson was tied to the mast on the boat. Later, he was tried in a court on the Faroe Islands. He was convicted of illegal fishing and attempted assault and was jailed for 30 days. Due to this incident, the Danish and British formed the Anglo-Danish Territorial Waters Agreement in 1901. It set three nautical miles, or six kilometer, territorial limits for Iceland for 50 years. While it was narrowly followed, it was an important precedent. The First World War ended the dispute for a while and decreased the fishing activity around the Icelandic shores. In 1949, Iceland started the process of repealing the Anglo-Danish Territorial Waters Agreement set by Denmark and Britain in 1901. Before deciding on how many nautical miles off of their shores are off, would be off limits for British ships, they waited to hear the results from the UK-Norway fisheries case in the International Court of Justice. It seems that the UK had disputes with a couple of Nordic nations when it came to fishing near their shores. The ruling from the International Court of Justice was in Norway's favor. Icelanders felt that increasing their limit from three nautical miles to four nautical miles was justified because they were in line with what Norway was claiming and had won in the International Court of Justice. The extension of their fishing limits were declared by the Icelandic government on May 15, 1952. Not surprisingly, the United Kingdom was not happy about this. The two countries found themselves in a dispute about this from May of 1952 until November of 1956. During this time, the British trawling industry imposed a landing ban on Icelandic ships in British ports. This was a huge blow to the fishing industry in Iceland because the United Kingdom was the country's largest export market for fish. Interestingly, the Cold War ended up helping Iceland after the British imposed their land ban. The Soviet Union was seeking to gain influence in Iceland, so they started buying Icelandic fish. The United States feared that the Soviets would gain too much influence in Iceland, so they started buying Icelandic fish as well. Additionally, the United States convinced Italy and Spain to do the same. The land ban by the British now had less of an impact on the Icelandic fishing industry. The British government eventually ended up agreeing to the four nautical mile limit set by Iceland in 1956. Some scholars feel that the four-year dispute is the first of the Cod Wars between Iceland and the United Kingdom. However, that is not widely agreed upon, so I'm not counting that as one of the, of the Cod Wars. However, I do think it is a victory for Iceland that is an important element when talking about the historic events that came next. In 1958, several nations at the first International Conference on the Law of the Sea, hosted by the United Nations, wanted to extend their territorial limits to 12 nautical miles, or 22 kilometers. But no conclusions were reached at that conference. 
After that, the Icelandic government took it upon themselves to create a law that extended their limits from 4 nautical miles to 12 nautical miles at midnight on September 1st, 1958. All of the members of NATO were in opposition to the extension. The British made it known that their boats would fish near Iceland under the protection of their warships. They specifically planned to do this near the West Fjords, north of Hörn, and in the south of Iceland. This was an expensive endeavor. It was estimated that the British naval ships had used nearly half a million pounds of oil in about a month, and 53 British warships had been deployed to protect ships off the coast of Iceland. Being the tiny nation that it is, Iceland could only deploy seven vessels and a flying boat to help it enforce the new limits that it had claimed. Icelandic people protested in front of the British embassy in the country, and the British ambassador played bagpipe music and military marches on his gramophone as a counter-protest. Ayr, an Icelandic Coast Guard vessel, tried to take a British fishing trawler off the West Fjords on September 4th, but the HMS Russell, a vessel that is part of the British Navy, intervened. The two boats collided. The following October, the Maria Julia, an Icelandic Coast Guard ship, fired three shots at the British trawler named Kingston Emerald. The trawler ended up retreating out to the high seas. On November 12th, Thor, another Icelandic Coast Guard ship, attempted to stop Hackness, a British fishing boat, for not stowing its nets legally. But Hackness didn't stop until it was fired upon by Thor. This altercation heated up when the HMS Russell showed up to protect Hackness. The captain of the HMS Russell ordered the Icelandic vessel to leave Hackness alone because the shipping vessel was not within the four nautical mile limit recognized by the British government. The captain of Thor refused to back down and ordered his men to approach Hackness with their gun manned. In response, the captain of the HMS Russell threatened to sink the Icelandic vessel if it shot at Hackness. Eventually, more British ships arrived and Hackness retreated. Even though Icelanders didn't really have much military power to fight the British, they did have political leverage. In response to the events I just mentioned, the Icelandic government threatened to withdraw from NATO and expel U.S. forces from Iceland if this dispute was not brought to an end with a satisfactory conclusion. NATO then began engaging in informal and formal mediations to end the dispute. After the next United Nations Conference on the Law of the Sea between 1960 and 1961, Iceland and Britain came to an agreement. The Icelandic fishing limits were extended to 12 nautical miles, but the British would have rights to fish just outside of 6 nautical miles for three years in certain seasons and in specific zones. The Icelandic Parliament, Althingi, approved the agreement on March 11, 1961. The agreement also stated that any future disputes between these two countries regarding fishery zones will be sent to the International Court of Justice in The Hague. You would think that this would be the end of the Cod Wars, but unfortunately that was not the case. After a little more than a decade since the first Cod War, which was from 1958 to 1961, Iceland and Britain continued their dispute in 1972. This time, it was due to Iceland extending its fishing limits to 50 nautical miles. The Icelandic government's reasons for extending the limits were to conserve fish stocks and to increase their share of the total catches. Originally, they had considered increasing the limit to 200 nautical miles, but it would have been more difficult for them to patrol. Again, the British were not a fan of this and opposed it for two reasons. First, 
They wanted to be able to have the best possible catch quota for British fishermen in contested waters. Second, recognition of this extension would set a precedent for other extensions. All of the other Western European states and the Warsaw Pact opposed the extension. After Iceland met with African states in 1971, those states supported Iceland's decision because the prime minister of Iceland argued they were fighting against colonialism and imperialism. On September 1st, 1972, Iceland started to enforce the new 50 nautical mile limit. Many British and West German fishing trawlers violated the limit. You might recall that the agreement from the first Cod War stipulated that any future disputes between Iceland and United Kingdom should go to the International Court of Justice. Well, the new leftist coalition government in Iceland said that they should not be bound to any agreement made by the previous center-right government. So they decided to deal with this on their own. Ayer, an Icelandic Coast Guard vessel, chased 16 foreign fishing trawlers outside of the 50 nautical mile limit zone the very next day. Instead of relying on shooting at fishing boats, this time the Icelandic Coast Guard vessels started cutting fishing nets. From September 5th, 1972 until August 29th, 1973, the Icelandic ships cut about 20 fishing nets of British and German fishing boats. Not surprisingly, the British Royal Navy showed up, but that wasn't until May of 1973. The Icelandic government was so upset about the presence of the Royal Navy that they considered appealing to the United Nations. There was even a demand by Olavur Johansson, the Prime Minister of Iceland at the time, for the United States to send jets to bomb the British military vessels. In May, there were big protests in Reykjavik, and all the windows in the British embassy were broken. Besides cutting nets, Icelandic vessels were colliding with British ones. This happened several times during the Second Cod War. Unfortunately, one fatality on the Icelandic side came from a collision. Haltor Halfreyson, an engineer on the Icelandic Coast Guard vessel, was using his welding equipment to make a hull repair after a collision with a British frigate. The compartment that he was in filled up with seawater, and he died by electrocution. NATO had been no help to Iceland during this conflict, and Iceland was on the verge of leaving. On September 16, 1973, Joseph Lunds, Secretary General of NATO, came to Iceland to talk with Icelandic ministers. After many talks, British warships went back home on October 3rd. On November 8, 1973, an agreement was signed. It stated that British fishing activities were restricted to certain areas within the 50 nautical mile limit, and their annual catch of fish could not be more than 130,000 tons. Unfortunately, peace didn't last long between Iceland and the United Kingdom. Well, not as long as it did between the First and Second Cod Wars. Several nations at the Third United Nations Conference on the Law of Sea supported a 100 nautical mile limit to territorial waters. Well, the Icelandic government took it a step further by announcing that they planned to extend the limit to 200 nautical miles on July 15, 1975. This is the last of the Cod Wars, and it was quite intense. While many incidents of ramming and cutting fishing nets happened over the seven-month dispute, the most serious happened on December 11, 1975. Thor, an Icelandic Coast Guard vessel, found three British ships within the 200 nautical mile exclusion zone. They were Lloydsman, a tugboat that was three times the size of Thor, Star Aquarius, an oil rig supply vessel for British ships, and her sister ship, Star Polaris. 
They were sheltering themselves from gale-force winds about 12 nautical miles from Iceland's shore. When the captain of Thor ordered the boats to leave, it seems as if they would comply. However, the star Aquarius allegedly hit Thor as the Icelandic ship tried to overtake her. When Thor tried to increase speed, it was hit by Lloydsman. The Icelandic ship suffered a considerable amount of damage. When the star Aquarius came back around, Thor first fired a blank shot, but the British boat hit Thor a second time. Thor then shot a live round that hit the bow of the star Aquarius. After that, the British boats retreated. The British claimed that the Icelanders were trying to board one of the boats and that they hit Thor because they were trying to protect themselves. Niels Sigurdsson, the Icelandic ambassador in London at the time, claims that Thor had been acting in self-defense after being rammed by British boats. The United Kingdom's response to this incident was to deploy a large fleet of warships to Iceland. Overall, the British sent a total of 22 warships, seven supply ships, nine tugboats, and three support boats to protect its fishing trawlers. The Icelandic government attempted to increase its ability to defend its territory by trying to acquire a U.S. Asheville-class gunboat, but Henry Kissinger said no. Later, they tried to get a Soviet Mirka-class warship, but that didn't happen either. As I mentioned earlier, there was one fatality on the Icelandic side during the Second Cod War. During the Third Cod War in February 1976, the British Minister of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Food claimed that a fisherman from Grimsby suffered serious injuries and later died after a thick rope or hawser hit him when an Icelandic vessel was cutting the net of the fisherman's trawler. However, this doesn't seem to be corroborated by any historical resources, so only one official fatality is recognized during these disputes. There had been a total of 55 ship-ramming incidents during the Third Cod War. Serious international intervention happened only after Iceland had threatened to close the NATO base in Keplavik. If that happened, NATO's ability to deny the Soviet Union access to the Atlantic Ocean would have been severely weakened. In the end, the British government conceded and had its fishermen's boats stay outside of the 200 nautical mile limit for the time being. Even though the British said they would stay outside of the 200 nautical mile limit, on May 6, 1976, there was one last incident between the Icelandic Coast Guard and the British Royal Navy. Tyr, an Iceland Coast Guard boat, was cutting the net of the Carlisle, a British fishing trawler. This prompted the HMS Falmouth, a British Royal Navy frigate, to ram Tyr. The Icelandic ship almost capsized, but it was able to finish cutting the nets before it was rammed again. Even though the ship was heavily damaged and had less firepower than the British ships, the crew manned their guns. The dispute didn't go much farther, but it was certainly an epic and scary battle. Finally, an agreement was reached between the UK and Iceland in a NATO-mediated session on June 1, 1976. Iceland agreed to allow 24 British fishing ships to be within the 200 nautical mile limit, but they could only fish a total of 30,000 tons. Iceland's strategic location, political leverage, and grit out on the seas enabled this small island nation to defend itself against one of the top nations in the world. Even though the British fishing industry was severely impacted by the results of the Cod Wars, there doesn't seem to be an overwhelming sense of negative feelings between the nations today. However, if there is a football match between the countries or a more minor fishing dispute, the Cod Wars are inevitably mentioned. 
Now that you've learned about the intense cod wars, or rather cod disputes, between the United Kingdom and Iceland, I will move on to the random fact of the episode. At the end of the Second Cod War, British fishing trawlers played Rule Britannia over their radios. They also played The Party's Over by Willie Nelson when they had to leave the limit that Iceland had imposed. The Icelandic word of the episode is Thorskastriðin. Thor, ska, stríðin. Thorskastriðin, which translates basically to cod wars. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the All Things Iceland podcast. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, you can enter to win some awesome Icelandic prizes after completing a short survey, literally five to six minutes, and the link to that giveaway and survey is in the show notes of this episode on my website from foreigntofamiliar.com. Gangi thier vel, or good luck, to anyone who decides to enter. Thaka thier kailegar at hlusta og Schaumst, Flirtlega.